Amen. Would you open up your Bibles with me today to Mark chapter 12? Today we're going to continue on in our series of Loving God, Loving People, which is our vision. Last week we talked about the need for vision. Everybody say vision. Vision means to anticipate that which is to come. Anticipate what is coming ahead. A church has to have a vision and anticipation of what's coming ahead. When Jesus left the earth, he, uh, gave, before he left the earth, he gave us a vision. He gave us a purpose. Now, why is the church's purpose important to you today? You may be a homemaker. You may be a police officer, a teacher. You may be working in the secular world, and you might say, Pastor, how does this relate to my life and everything I do? I want you to understand that, first of all, you were not created to be a police officer. You were not created to have a secular job. You were not created just to have children. You were, first of all, created for a creator to have fellowship with him. If you go way back into the beginning, to the origin of the human race, did God create Adam and say, okay, Adam, I want you to farm this uh, garden for me and get to work, son? No. The Bible says he created man that he might be with him, that they might have fellowship together. And it was even after that point that God said, oh, you're a little bored? Let me give you a woman because the animals don't seem to be enough for you. So it almost comes to the point that we as a human being not surprised God, not as if he didn't know it, but that he responded to our own need after fellowship seemed to still allow us to be alone. And then the wife came, then the children, and those different things. So I believe even Adam did not even realize his full purpose to why he was created. The full purpose is not just to have a woman and just to have children and then just to subdue the earth and be with the animals. That would be heaven on earth. The main purpose God first created Adam was to have fellowship with him. The Bible says that when God went down to create Adam out of the dust of the earth, he made him in his image. We believe that the image of God in Latin, the Imago Deo, the Imago Deo Latin for image of God, we believe that this is more than just that Jesus has two eyes, a nose, and an ear, and little on his cheek like you do cute thirst no he has more than just a little hand and a little arm like i made in my daddy's image he has more than just that when we say image what do we mean by the imago deo we mean that god has a mind we have a mind god has free will he chooses and makes decisions we have the ability to choose and make decisions in our mind god has emotions that means god feels hurt pain love joy anger all of those things we have emotions so what we were made in the image of god is a soul everybody say a soul And in that soul is your mind, will, and emotions. And what was that meant to do? That was to go all back towards God. Now, this soul was not running around like Casper the ghost, just like, oh, here I am, a soul. No, the soul was put into a body, and that body had bones and ligaments and organs and all of these things to function. Some people ask, did Adam have a belly button? Probably not, because he didn't come from a mother, but from a ground. Some people ask, did he have excrement? Did he use the bathroom? Probably so, because he ate. Are you listening to me? He was a man created in the image of God in his soul, body. And then what did he have? He had a spirit. That means he had a light on the inside of him. You can have uh, a light bulb that has the outside body, the glass. You can have the inside wires, but it doesn't turn on and shine unless you have what? Electricity. So if you take the electricity from the light bulb, you still have the outer shell and the inner part. And so man without God's spirit, he had a body, his outer shell. He had the inside wiring, his soul mind, will, and emotion, but he needed something to jumpstart him and get him going. That was the 
the breath of God, the Spirit of God coming on the inside of them. Look at your neighbor and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Can I give you an introduction today? Can you guys say amen? This is an introduction not found in your notes. So you were made in the image of God with a body, with a soul, and then lastly that spirit, that breath of God, now completing what God would say the Imago Deo in his image so that you can have dominion down here, touch and have things and have control as he does up there in heaven, that you could think, have a free will, have emotions, and that you would have an inner connection to him at all times. Now, when Adam and Eve had this opportunity, they were given a choice, a way out. Push the red button, as it were, if you wanted to leave. And that was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Somebody say good and evil. So God said to them, here is a tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And here is another tree, the tree of life. Everybody say the tree of life. Now, they had a choice. Do you have from the tree of life this fruit in which you will live forever in this paradise on earth? Or do you have from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, push the red button and leave out of heaven and earth? Well, the Bible says we don't know how long, but eventually they came to that tree of knowledge and good and evil. It could have been 10,000 years they were in the garden. It could have been one day. We don't know. Eventually they came to that tree of knowledge and good and evil. The serpent was there allowing to be the tempter. God allowed that to happen. And then in that moment they were told that if you eat this, your eyes will open and you will become like God. The first lie the devil ever told us was that we could become God. We could become the boss of our own life. We would not need to be dependent upon somebody else. We could be efficient in our own ability. Are you listening to me today? Doesn't that sound like humanism today? We don't need God. We can do it on our own. Some of you have come from countries that believe that even to this day. In the Chinese government, they believe that. In, in North Korea, they believe that. In different parts of, the, of, of the, uh, the Russian communist governments have believed we don't need God. We're man. We're strong. We can do it. Humanism came along but that all started at the the garden of eden you don't need god eat of the tree and you will be god but what happened that day that they ate of the tree did they become god did they become more enlightened did they become more powerful did they become creators and masters of the universe no what happened that day is the image of god died out in them what was the first thing that died because he said in that day you shall surely die in that day they ate of the fruit what died did their body die did they fall over dead Did their soul die? Did their mind, will, and emotions go dead? And they're just like, no. What happened to them? Their spirit died unplugged, came out from the electricity of God. And then what do you have from that point on? God saying, get out of the garden, because now if you eat the tree of life, you will be eternally damned in this state of separation from me. So he actually put up a cherub, an angel in front of the tree of life and kicked them out of the garden. And now they had to work. They had to sweat. See, the things that you and I take boast in, working and sweating and all of that, that now came as a part of the curse. The pain of childbirth. And then the two children, Cain and Abel, murdering each other. Anybody ever had some child conflict? Come on, anybody? Hello, parents? All of that came after the curse. And so now, what do people believe without God? People believe that the curse is actually their life, and they forget that the curse is what happened when we lost the blessing. It gets quiet when I preach like that. you all think I'm trying to trick you? People think that the curse of working is what they were put here for. That's what they think. Well, I'm put here to work and provide for my family. That's what I'm here to do. That's what you've been here to do ever since you backslid, got rid of God, kicked him out, and then started planting something down here and got some weeds and, and you got a little doodiddle. That's, that's what came after the curse. Are you listening to me? 
There was never a time in the Garden of Eden where Adam woke up and said, I'm just here to work. I'm just here to make babies and provide for my kids and be a good father. He never, he never said that was his purpose. Are you listening? Now, of course, the things we call sin, that's obvious. If you think it's okay to have sex before marriage, get drunk, and, and, and to have debaucherous parties, revelry, if you think it's okay to be bitter, lie, cheat, and steal, well, that's just obvious you're living in the curse. But I'm talking to noble-minded religious people that think that they're actually living in the blessing because they work and take care of their family. They don't understand that that only came after the curse. What was before the curse? The Bible says God would walk with Adam in the cool of the day. So before Adam and Eve had a child to provide for, until they had a job and to build a log cabin and to to dig out some gold out the ground and decorate it around their neck, before they had any of those things, they had one purpose and one purpose only, and that was to be with their Creator. So today the vision of Metro Praise is an old vision for a new year. We need to go back to what we were created for. Now you're going to understand the words of Jesus when they came and asked him, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And it said Jesus noticed that he had given them a good answer of all the commandments, which is the most important. Verse 29, the most important one answered Jesus is hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He with all your strength. Does he say take care of ninos and ninas? Does he say go out there and get a job, buckaroo, and make a way for yourself? Pick yourself up by your bootstraps and do something. Go get a college education, kid. Is that what God said back to him? He said, love God. And this is not some just some floating word of love. Oh, I love you. We say it like it means nothing. No, Jesus described it perfectly. Love him with your heart. Love him with your mind. This thing right here. This thing that we don't use a whole lot. This thing. Love him with this. Think about him. Love him. Put your thoughts to the side. Get rid of stinking thinking and get the mind of Christ and love him with this. Love him with all your soul. That part that makes you you. That part that on the inside has emotions. Makes you giggle. Makes you laugh. Makes you sad. Determines to do one thing versus the other. Wear these shoes or those shoes. Put on this dress or that dress. That part on the inside of you. That soul that makes you a personality. Love him with all of who you are. And then all of my macho men going to the gym to look beastie. To look strong. He said love me with all your strength. When you pray, don't pray like a sissy like you're in some library. Dear Jesus. Jesus, I just pray for you. No, pray like you mean it. When you get up in the morning, say, thank you, Jesus. You didn't go to the Cubs game like a sissy. You didn't go to the Bears game. Oh, come on, Bears. Come on. No, you shouted like a man. When you get in God's presence, gentlemen, love God with all your strength. Give it all to God. Woo! That's what he said. Hallelujah. He didn't look for somebody to come up him all weak and, 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 and all just a skinny little boy and just like, I just love Jesus like it's an old woman's religion and for grandchildren. He says, you love me with everything you have. He picked out David in the Old Testament as an example of somebody who loved this man. was a warrior. He was a king. And women, you love him like a woman does. Amen? Love him with your heart and all your strength, all your tenacity. The love that allows you to birth a child, to go through the pains of birth. You love God with that same tenacity. I'll love him and receive all I have from Get all I can from him. That's the vision. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what did he say? The second is this, to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. You see, we don't teach neglect of your children here. 
I have times that I spend with my children that would, would, would rival the best of parents here. I spend hours with my children, put them on my lap and love them, take pictures with them and post it all over Facebook like I'm crazy and lost my mind, put videos on my phone, and when I'm 30,000 feet up in the air somewhere between here and India flying over Afghanistan, I look at videos from my children, tears come down my eyes. But I want you to understand, I have to know it's the second thing I do because if I don't love God first, I don't have the love I need to be the father I should be. And that's why we're so busted and disgusted, tore up from the floor up in our families right now, because everybody wants to talk about you. And Oprah Winfrey wants to talk about you. And Dr. Phil wants to talk about you. But let me tell you something. You are second. God is first. And right now, if you haven't gone to that website, you need to. I am second.com. Football players, musicians, politicians, rappers, anybody you can imagine high up in life in this world, they're saying, I am second. I am second. Mother, if you don't know how to pray for your children, all your words will not matter. Father, if you don't know how to live a godly life, all your, your you, you better wear a, a dress or you, you, you better, you know, get good grades, young man. All of those things won't work, but one prayer on your knees, God change my children. God make them a good person. Your prayers will mean more than your words. Of course your actions back it up. We're not talking about hypocrisy. We're not talking about lukewarm Christianity that makes Jesus spit it out of his mouth. We're talking about the real Christianity that's backed up in the action with the prayer. But it's all understood, God. He comes first. He comes before all of these things. Because when we understand time, we know that this time is short. You think of this, Just think of the, the, the nature of the world. Just think of the nature of the galaxy you live in. 10,000 years is a drop in the bucket. A million years is a drop in the bucket. You go to a science class, and they'll tell you we've been here for billions of years. Then they have these ideas that the Big Bang happened and that it's been here for about 12 billion years. About another 12 billion years it will go out, and then it will come back in, and then it will keep going on for trillions of years. So you begin to think to yourself, What is 70 years in light of my existence? It's no different for you to go to the beach, Lake Michigan, or to the Atlantic or the Pacific, and to pick up one grain of sand out of the whole ocean and say, this is me to the world, and throw it in the ocean and try to find it again. You are so insignificant. Everything you could do is going to be forgotten. Everything. You might say, well, I'll be a Beethoven. Beethoven will be forgotten a million years from now. You might say, well, I'm going to be the next Star Trek. I'm going to go to faraway galaxies. All of these galaxies will go away. Everything will come back to nothing. Are you listening to me? Read your science book and then read your Bible and ask yourself a question. Is this all there is? Because if I don't have a number one, my number two means nothing. If I don't have God first, my 70 years mean nothing. Last time I checked, you weren't giving out awards to the ant that took care of the ants the best. Last time I checked, you could care less about the raccoons down the street and how much they dressed up their other raccoons. My friends, we are nothing without God. And it's about time we refocus all of our agendas and everything we value in this world and filter it through him. Look at your neighbor and say, Father, filter Let everything you do be father filtered. If you're single in this place, that means you start a marriage father filtered. What does daddy in heaven want for you? That means if you're a student right now or a young person, you treat your family as God would want you to do it. You find a purpose that God would want you to do. Because if it's not from God, what you do does not count.
But if I have God, somebody say, if I have God, everything counts. Now, next week is going to be love your neighbor, and you're going to walk out feeling so ooshy-gooshy and just so awesome about it. So look at your neighbor and say, you better be there because he's going to talk about you and how much he loves you. But today is about God. I lost half you all on that. Look at your neighbor and say, Pastor loves you, but he has to love God more. You see, next week we'll talk about how to love your neighbor, how to love them even when they have stinky, winky attitudes. We'll talk about how to help each other, how to take each other out and treat each other like the prince that they are and the princesses that they are. We'll talk about how to love life with people. All of that's wonderful. We'll teach you a little bit about your family, how to take care of your children, all of those things. But if I'm speaking to atheists, it means nothing. That only means something if we know that God is the reason why we do those things. If you're with me, somebody say, love God. Amen. Are you all ready to learn some Greek? Say amen. I'm going to dissect this sentence to you as it is in the Greek. The original language of the Bible was Greek. My wife is Greek. She can pronounce these words much better than me. And if my father-in-law was here, he would interrupt me and tell me how to pronounce these words. Just say, help him, Jesus. When the Bible starts off speaking love, it's it's the word agape. It means to have strong emotion towards someone. Some of you thought that agape was only used when God said he loved you. Like God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Some of you only think of agape as God agape the world. But the word agape also comes to us, too. We have to love God in that same way. Agape is found in this version right here in the Greek. It says agape the Lord. That means to have the most strongest desire, unconditional love, affection towards somebody. Love, agape. Everybody say, Y-H-W-H. Or in the Hebrew, it would be, Yohevah. There we go. And it is the word for Lord. This is the one Hebrew word there. Because when the Jewish people spoke of the Lord, they spoke of him in their Hebraic terms. Just like many of you, you are of Latino descent. You live in America, speak American. But you have the Latino name, Ediberto. And just as the Greek-speaking people lived in the time, the Jewish people lived in the time of the Romans and spoke Greek, but when they referred to him, they probably called him by his Hebrew name, Yohevah, or Jehovah, as we would say it in English, or Yahweh. Can you say amen? Love the Lord. Who is the Lord? He is the God of the Jewish people, the self-existent one, the I am that I am. Moses asked him back in the day, who shall I say sent me when I go to Pharaoh? Nobody knew his name at that time. They called him God, just like we say the generic word G-O-D, God. They always called him God. But they said, Moses said, when I go to Pharaoh, they're going to ask, what God has sent you? And then, and then God gave him his name. He said, tell him that Yohevah, Jehovah. Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I am, has sent you. The Bible says, love the Lord. So we're not talking about loving Harry Krishna. We're not talking about loving Muhammad. We're talking very specifically about having strong emotion and passion for the God of the Jewish people. His name is Jehovah. Are you with me? And then he is our God, Theos. Everybody say Theos. That means he is the God over us. His name is Jehovah Yohevah, and he is our God. Love the Lord, your God, your master, your boss, your creator. Who is he in personality? He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
He is not one God pie divided into three slices. He is indivisible, inseparable. He is not like you and I. He is multi-personality, and he doesn't have schizophrenia. He is a multi-personality being. You might say, I don't understand. It's okay. He's God. You'll have eternity to understand. But that is who he is. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three divine beings, but yet not separate. But yet they have separate personalities, but not separate pieces. They are still one being but separate in personality. Are you getting with me? It's deep, but follow along. Love the Lord, your God, agape, Yahweh, your theos, with all your cardiae. Cardiae, all of your heart, where we get the word cardiovascular from. It comes from the Greek language. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And when we say heart, what do we refer to? The actual organ pumping blood through your veins right now. Love God with all of that. Because some of y'all been eating some high cholesterol food, might not be loving Lord right now. Amen? He's like trying to dodge some of that pizza and all that stuff. All those con you know what I'm talking about? He's, all that fried food. Okay. He's talking about the person's passions. We know that. I love you, baby, with all my heart. We're not taking it out saying, here it is. We're saying this is a term, a euphemism. It is an analogy. It is a metaphor to stand for a person's passions. Everybody say, psyche. That is where we get the word psychology, psychiatrist from the Greek language. It is the word for soul. It means the inner man, love, agape, unconditional, strong emotion and passion, agape, Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, the self-existent one, who is your God. He is your father. He is your savior, the son, and he is the Holy Spirit, your comforter. Love him with all of your heart, your passions. Love him with who you are on the inside, with your psyche, and love him with your mind. D-I-O-N-I-O-I. And I totally messed that up, but D-I-I-N-O-I-A. There it is, the closest I can get to that, which is your mind, thoughts, and mental life. Love him with all of this. Point to this and say, I got something to love him with. And then the last one is strength. It's keys. Everybody say, it's keys. It's keys to love him with your physical power. Now has the scripture come to life. You may not have understood all the Greek, but do you get what it's saying? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you're saying, Pastor, what does all mean? Y'all, all means all. There's the Greek for you today. Love, agape, Yahweh, your theos, with all your cardia, your psyche. Your D-I-O-N-I-A and your Iskis or your mind, soul, strength, and whatever. Pray for me. My wife's Greek. Now, here's what we're going to say today. Two ways to love God. Here's how it presents itself throughout the entire Bible, both Old and New Testament. Number one. If you love God, you are going to worship and adore him with passion. And number two, you're going to obey his commands. Can you say this with me? One, two, three. To worship and adore God with passion and to what? To obey his commands. Let's talk about obeying or first worshiping the Lord. Open up your Bible to all of these scriptures and let's start reading them all together. Are you ready? I'm kidding. We wouldn't have time. We wouldn't have time, but I'm referencing them for you. Open them up and follow along if you can. Some of them I will read. Some of them I don't have the time today to read, but write them down. Pastor, I was supposed to do something today in church. Yes, you were. You're supposed to write these down. Come on, y'all. This is not something you want to easily forget. The Greek word for worship 
is proskunehu. Everybody say proskunehu. It means to express respect and honor. I want to show you some of these scriptures today that talk about expressing your love and your honor to God in the form of worship. Everybody say worship. Amen. Let's start with the best uh, vision that we have in presentation of heaven. Heaven is a place of worship. Some people think that heaven is going to be boring because all we'll do is worship there. My friends, anybody who tells you that is a boring person. Anybody who tells you that it's going to be boring is a boring person. Because the last time I went to a concert of the music I liked, it wasn't boring. The last time I saw people on TV go to concerts that they like, they certainly weren't bored. Amen? My friends, it will be MTV for Jesus all day long. The glory of God will be there. Now, the Bible says that we will be able to do other things besides worship. But worship is our function and purpose there. So some people here during the hour-long worship service, you're like, oh, man, when is this going to be done? You're going to be bored in eternity. Yeah, yeah. They're going to be praised. Ah! And then you're going to look at the angel. How long we've been here? Two years. This is just the hallelujah part. We're going to even start singing yet. You're going to sing for 10 years up there. And this is going to be how long we've been here. I mean, you've been here 20 years. That's right, baby. Ain't no high like the most high. Come on. Ain't no high like the most high. Look at this picture in heaven. Praise God. Revelations chapter 11. Or chapter 5, uh, verse 11, here is the picture. It says, And I looked up and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten times ten thousand. And this is uh, what we would assume be billions of people, uh, billions of angels. Then encir- they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they sang. So here is the angels singing this. This is what the angels are singing. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. These are the angels. Now look at verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. Somebody say singing. Singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Your way to show God you love him today is to worship him like they worship him in heaven. It didn't say up there they have celestial laser beams and all of these things going on. No, it actually gives us things from heaven that we can do on earth. What are they doing in heaven? They're singing. Can you sing on earth? Then on earth as it is in heaven, you sing to God. They were praising God in a loud voice. Can you praise God in a loud voice? Can you do what they do in heaven on earth? Let's practice. On the count of three, we're going to shout hallelujah. One, two, three. Woo! Come on. Hallelujah. We are going to shout it here on earth as it is in heaven. The Bible says that they fell down to their knees. And that they worshiped and adored God out of a sign of respect in heaven. Can you do that? Let's all get to our knees and see if you can. If you got a bad knee, sir, God understands. But if you can, just get to your knees. And just raise up your hands and say, I love you, Jesus. Now take five seconds from your heart to say something that would be special from you to him. Hallelujah. That's what they do in heaven, just in this place, a posture of worship. God, we love you. Metro Praise is here to praise your name. God, there's no excuse for us not shouting and worshiping you on earth 
as it is in heaven. Amen. Would you come back to your seat and give God a hand clap of praise if you can do it. Next thing I want to reference you, we don't have to turn there. But in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 5 and verses 14 through 15, David is referenced as a man with passion. And the Bible says that as he began to praise and worship God, he began to take off his outer garments. He began to take off the thing that restricted him. And he said, I am going to worship God with everything that I have. He took off his robe. I ain't taking off my shirt, y'all. That will scare the little kids up in here, amen? They will never come back. And he began to worship before the Lord. Let me get a drummer up here. Come on, drummer boy. Get up here. Come on, baby. Give it up for Josh. Give me one of them old Pentecostal beats right here. Everybody stand to your feet. Come on. We're going to dance like the old Pentecostals. Give them a lot of bass and some drums up here. Come on. Just dance a little bit. Don't just clap your hands. Dance a little bit. If you got to find somebody, dance with them. Come on. Woo! If all you can do is hop, then hop, baby. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. The Bible says that David, he danced before the Lord with all of his might. He danced harder than they do at a techno rave. He danced harder than Frank Sinatra did at a ball on Friday night with Marilyn Monroe. Are you listening to me? He danced harder than the backup girls for In Living Color with J-Lo. Are you hearing me? He danced with all of his might. He would have made Christina Aguilera. He would have made all of them, Michael Jackson, look like they weren't even trying. Because Lady Gaga could not keep up with him. He danced with everything he had. And the Bible says that as he did that, people mocked him. And as a matter of fact, his own wife mocked him looking down from the window. She saw him in the streets. He was a king. He took off his kingly robe and they mocked him. And and she mocked him and the Bible says she became barren and never bore a child. And it's symbolic to us that when your praise stops, so does your prosperity and your blessing to God. But the principle is when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Because God is looking for a people of praise and worship who don't care what their neighbor thinks, who are doing it for Him and Him alone. And so when I say I love God, I don't just kiss a cross and say I go to St. Mary's down the street. What I'm saying is I sing, jump, and shout with all of my might because I want to worship and adore Him as the Bible showed me to. Amen? Praise God. First Chronicles 25, 1, 6 through 7 says that when, when David was knowing that he was going to die, he was leaving all that he had to his son Solomon, and Solomon was going to build the temple. It was now, it was known as Solomon's temple once it was built. So they were going to have a place for the Ark of the Covenant and for the, the priests to do all of their duties before God. But you know what David did? He made sure there was over 280 praise worshipers there to be at the temple night and day, worshiping and praising their God. 288 worshipers. We've seen mass choirs like that. But could you imagine this in the time of of the Bible when they all sang and the glory came down, the Bible says like a cloud, and they fell to their face? Because then, when you go further on to Solomon, as you keep reading into Second Chronicles, as he starts that temple, the Bible says that it wasn't the job just for the singers to sing. It was their job to get the congregation, the people, to sing with them. 
And so when we sing in a congregational sense, God is with us. Rachel, would you come, please? We're going to sing a simple song, Jesus, lover of my soul. Do you know that on the keys? Let's give it up for Rachel as she comes. All worship leaders, be on hand. You don't know if you're going to get called up today. Just Jesus, lover of my soul. Lover of my soul. Then we're going to turn it down. You got the key. Jesus, you will never let. I want you all to get your voice out there. Come on, sing it, girl. From the miry clay. You set my feet upon a rock. No rock, and now I know. I love you, Jesus. I love you. know I need you. I need you. Though my world may fall, I'll never let you go. You're my Savior, my, my closest friend, my closest friend. And I will worship you until the very end. Can we give the Lord a hand clap for some singing? Now you know why we put the music loud, amen? Because some of us can't sing, and that's okay. That is okay. But when that music is nice and loud, you just sing with it. But you know what? When you're by yourself, you just let it out. Don't even worry what people think. And even don't worry about what people think here, because if they have a problem with that, they have a bigger problem with God. We come together and sing in the congregational form. Now I want you to turn with me to First uh, John, rather, chapter 4, and look at what Jesus said when he walked upon this earth. This is probably the most popular scripture about worship being related to loving God. John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan woman. She was not allowed to go to the temple because she wasn't a pure Jew, as according to the Jewish customs. She was uh, excommunicated from that part. They could only come to the outer court. She herself was a woman. She didn't have priestly rights. That only belonged to Jewish men. So she was. She had a double negative against her. She wasn't Jewish and she wasn't a man. And then what we also find out is in her life, she had many husbands, quote, unquote, but she wasn't married to any of them. Look at your neighbor and say, I get it. That meant she was hooking up, shacking up, whatever you want to call, one night stands, booty call, however you all look at it. But that's what she was doing. Look at your neighbor and say, I think I might understand. Okay, some of y'all really understand that's okay. Let's just keep it real. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 23 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So here you got a woman, she's not a Jew, can't go to the temple. She's not a man, she can't be a priest, and she's sinning, she's breaking God's covenant. And Jesus comes to her and says, I've got a proposition for you. If you worship here, the Father will find you right now. If you'll start right here, God will look past your sin, see your need, and bring a blessing to you right now. You start worshiping here because the Father is looking for worshipers. See, I don't know about you today, but God is not looking for big buildings. He's not looking for fancy pastors. He's not looking for great choirs. He's looking for worshipers. He's looking for worshipers. Point and hit on your chest if you can. Say, he found one with me, baby. Come on, say, Jesus, look no further. Here I am. You see, the Bible says he seeks worshipers. So let me ask you a question. What are you seeking? Well, I seek my job and promotion and, and, and things for my family. Okay, let me help you put it together now. Seek God first 
and his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you if you start worshiping if you start putting God first if you start praising him all the things that you need are added unto you that's the covenant blessing of your God he could have just said worship me and that's all you get out of it I mean I didn't see the last time that somebody went to a Lady Gaga concert and all their needs were met as they left the door I didn't hear about this last time that these people performed, and as we left and had a good time in the concert, we got these things. Nobody even promises that, but yet we'll sing and dance and do all of these foolish things with them. American Idol and all of these things show that our nation still loves music. All of these dancing shows, Dancing with the Stars, show that we still as a people love dance, but yet when we come to the church, we'll hardly sing and dance. But yet our blessings are dependent upon our song and our dance. Our blessings are determined upon our praise. Now, I'm not just talking about if you can dance a dance that impresses everybody or sing a song in which you win an award. No, I'm talking about there is a praise and a dance inside of every one of you in a posture of worship that God is holding back his blessing until you do it. You can call me crazy, but that's the Bible. That's what your Bible says. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You face dark times in your life. Some of you have faced dark times. And let me ask you a question. What was that book that you read in the Bible that got tears coming down your eyes? The book of Psalms, which means songs. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you faced those hardest times of your life, lost a loved one. I talked to a woman that had lost her daughter. I talked to people that lost their father. I asked them, how did you get through? They said, I just went through the book of Psalms. And I, why, why does that work? Because in the book of Psalms is a man's worship. And it inspires us to worship like David. And we sense that his presence breaks through he breaks through in our praise in our worship that's what he's always done so he's looking for people that will do it now i want you to understand your hands will not clap on their own your mouth will not shout on its own your 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 thanksgiving will not come just by itself you have to make yourself do it the bible goes on to talk about i will offer the lord the sacrifice of praise do you think it's always easy to sing you think it's always easy to shout There was a time that the people of Israel were in captivity during the time of Babylon. The Bible says that they hung up their harps. They hung up their things. And then a man came by and mocked them and said, why aren't you all singing and dancing now? But then a man said, I still will sing and praise him. My left hand will forget about my right hand before I forget about what he's done for me. When you feel those times of oppression, you feel like there's nothing to praise him for in the moment. You praise him for what he did in the past and what he'll do in the future. And your present circumstance will change. Praise can change your present present circumstance. His presence brings presence to you, gifts and power. And I know some of you can relate to this. You were going through a hard time. You went through the book of Psalms. You put on your favorite worship album. You went to your knees in your bedroom, put on your iPod. You started singing and the glory of God came. And the Bible says it filled the room and there was the fullness of his joy and pleasures forevermore. Why? Because you responded to him in love. And he promised, if you seek me, I will give to you all that you need. Keep going in that uh, portion of scripture, verse 24. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The spirit and in truth that we're talking about there is remember we are a spirit. And when we're born again, that spirit comes alive. How many felt something get turned on the inside of you and you got saved? I'm not just talking about you got saved. I'm talking you got saved. How many knew something turned on? Woo! It was like you put your finger in a light socket. 
Well, I don't feel Jesus like you do. Let me ask you a question. If an atomic bomb went off in here, would you feel that? Jesus is more powerful than an atomic bomb. You haven't met him yet. Well, I just don't feel him. Well, you need to meet him because you sure will feel him. I put your finger to this light socket. You will feel it. Amen. The only reason why you ain't feeling Jesus because you ain't coming on his terms. He don't come to Mr. Big Britches crossing his arms saying, prove it to me, mister. Well, you're just going to have to prove it to yourself in hellfire that he's not coming to you. The Bible says, who may stand upon his hill. We talked about that in prayer. Who may come to this holy place. He that has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not swear deceitfully and does not lift up his soul to an idol. The Bible says he's looking for people that are willing to get some junk out the trunk and then praise him and say, change, rearrange, come and touch me, Jesus. Praise and worship. It's what we live for, to love him. In the Song of Solomon, turn there with me as we close out this passage about loving God. Somebody say, I love God. I know some of you mean that so much from the bottom of your heart today. Others are right in a place of decision. I'm asking you, make the decision to love him. You will not regret that decision. This is not make-believe. Everybody here knows what it's like to believe in Santa. Everybody here knows what it's like to make yourself want to do something. This is not wishing upon a star. This is not throwing a quarter in the wishing well. This is not my make-believe friend with my blankie going to bed at night because I just can't get along in life. This is the God who created you. This is how he made you. And this is what he desires from you. And you put this principle to practice, you will see your life change. And all the people who already have, can you say amen? Song of Solomon is a love story. I would encourage all of the married people to get the commentary on this and have a wonderful night together. Because this is a love story. All of the people that are not married, don't read this book yet. Amen? You're not, you can read the whole Bible, all 65 books of it, okay, but not the 66 right here. This ain't for you. And I pray you don't understand. I pray your mind is veiled when you read it. But those who have read it and their minds have been opened, you probably thought, I never knew the Bible would talk like that. The Bible says that love comes from God, amen? And he did, he did create, sin is not a curse. But just remember, it, I mean, excuse me, sex is not a curse. Children are not a curse, don't get me wrong. But it was second, not first. Do you understand? Amen. It was second, not first. Okay. So here we go. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, tells the story about a man chasing after his lover. And as you begin to read this, you see that the woman went to bed. They had probably gotten to some fight. Some married couples here can relate to that. So they had gotten to a, some type of a fight. And then here we see in uh, chapter 5, verse 2, I slept, but my heart was awake. So she's the beloved. It's a woman. She says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my lover is knocking. So she's the beloved, and the lover is the man who's coming after. So here comes the beloved knocking. He says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. How many know, moms, if you heard a guy saying that to your daughter, he would be on. Amen. But this, this is real right here. They were probably married at this time. They might have fought and been separated, or they were engaged on their way to being married. He knocks at the door. He says, open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of night. I have taken off my robe. Now, this is the woman saying to him now back, I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I have washed my feet. Must I soil them again? So she's basically saying, I've gone down for the night. I've taken a bath and I've taken off my clothes uh, that I would be out for the day in. Now she says, my lover thrust his hand through the latch opening. So that means he put his hand through the door. So all he, she could see is his hand. She says, my heart began to pound for him. 
I arose to open for my lover, and my hands dripped with myrrh. My fingers were flowing myrrh on the handles of the lock. That means this guy put on a lot of aftershave, okay? It was all over the door. It was all over there, his cologne. Verse 6, I opened for my lover, but my lover had gone. He was gone. My heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called him, but he did not answer. So now she's starting to get out of her house. She's in her night robe. She's looking for him. Where are you at? Where are you? She's calling out his name. The watchmen found me. These would be the police of that day. They made their rounds in the city. They beat me. They bruised me. They took away my cloak, those watchmen of the walls. These men were enforcing curfew to the young person that she was. She was a young lady. She wasn't meant to be out. And how many are happy the police don't beat you, young people, when you break curfew? Amen? But she's getting beat because she's breaking curfew. She shouldn't have been out. And as she's gotten beaten, as she got her robe taken from her, well, it didn't mean she was naked. It just meant she had to go home for the night. Out of desperation, in the middle of the night, in a public square, this young girl raises her voice and she shouts out, O daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you, if you find my lover, what will you tell him? Tell him I am faint with love. You see, I want to tell some of you today that you've gone to bed, you've taken off your clothes, and, you, and God has come knocking at your door, and you said to God, but I already went to church today. But God, I did that when I was young. But God is knocking at your door because he says, I love you, and I want to be close to you, and I want to have an intimate relationship with you and then some of you have been backsliders and some of you have left out God at the picture but finally when you wake up you come to find God you start worshiping God but then at that moment you find a brick wall you don't sense him right there you know why because God is seeing how bad do you want him are you going to press in past one song of praise are you going to press in into an hour of praise and to scream out from your heart God I am lovesick for you God is asking us, what do you want from me? Are you willing to come get me? He is not a prostitute. He doesn't just come when you call him and you give him five bucks and say, thanks for coming, mister. He is our God and Savior. He's worth the chase. He's worth your passion. He's worth your mind, your strength, your soul, your heart. Give it all to God. Fall in love with Jesus over and over again. I'm lovesick for God. The Bible says that this woman was love sick for her lover. Today, I want to encourage every person here today to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Get love sick for Him. To worship, to sing, to dance, to shout, to rejoice, declare thanksgiving, chase after God with the Holy Spirit and a sincere heart. You might say, where do I start, Pastor? Start by reading the book of Psalms by yourself. If you need some worship music, email me. Go to our Facebook. We have it all over YouTube. All of our worship services are put on our MP3 player so you can download it and put on what we have here by yourself. Because I'm in the back preparing the words that I speak to you. I miss part of the worship. So it's my habit every Monday to play the worship again and to worship with you. What does it take for you? Smith Wigglesworth, a great man of God, said, I don't let one day go by that I won't dance in my room and rejoice before him. To thank Him, to count off the blessings, to tell Him we love Him, to put on these songs. There are songs right now that will change the atmosphere of this room. I could put on songs about loving God and tears would start coming down many of your eyes because it's so powerful. This is a blessing we have in modern technology. There's no excuse why we don't go after God. 
If I was to ask you how much time did you spend today or yesterday watching a movie, how much time did you spend watching TV to worshiping God? You see, my friends, God's asking you to love him with all of you. And the lastly, I want to encourage you with this. This one won't take as much time, but write down these scriptures because to worship God means to obey his command. Somebody say obedience is better than sacrifice. Hapaku intello. Hapakuo intello means to submit to orders. I want to read these scriptures to you quickly, but the point will always remain the same. If you love God, you'll keep his commands. How many husbands right here have some wives? Can you say amen, husbands? How many know your wives love you? Okay, how many know if you broke some commands, you would be in some trouble? How many know if you brought a a girlfriend home tonight, you'd be in some trouble? Hello? How many know if you, if I introduced, if we came to the church and I'm like, this is my wife, Nancy, but this is my girlfriend, Lawanda. How many know we would be in some trouble up in here? How many parents do I got in here? Parents, can you say amen? How many are happy when your children keep their, the, the broom clean and do what you ask them to do? Can you say amen? How many parents here have taken it insulting and offense when they don't listen and disobey you? Amen. Why is this way we look at every relationship except for God? Well, God just loved me. He just loved me. How can you not just love me? Look at me. I'm just so cute. <laughs> oh, no, don't judge me. No, don't. Don't, don't. Don't judge. I should be judged. No, don't. Could you just imagine the police officer doing that? Police officers arresting the murderer. Hey, hey, come on, police officer. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me unless you get judged. My friends, why is it we think this works with God? You think you're going to get to heaven and have a discussion with him about the Ten Commandments? Well, well, God, you know, I had to tell that lie to get that promotion. Sure you understand, God. And, and God, you know, marriage, come on. You know, who did that anymore? You know, sexual healing. I was sick quite a bit, Lord. I was sick quite a bit. I needed it, God. Hey, God, come on, 10%. God, come on, come on. The pastor, he was taking care. Come on, God. You know, you know I needed to pay rent, God. Do you think up in heaven we're going to have a discussion with God? Read, read your, if you believe it. Now, if you don't believe it, we'll talk about why to believe. It's coming. It, look at your neighbor and say, it's tight, but it's right. Look up, look up this one. If you don't believe... The Bible, we'll talk about why to believe the Bible. But if you believe. Switch, hand off. Why he gets paid big bucks. We still got this one on mute. Thank you, my brother. Let's give it up for my man. That was fast. If I don't love my wife, I don't have to be loyal to her. If I don't make a covenant to her, I don't have to be loyal to her. Before we got married, there was no problem with me talking to Sally Sue, emailing so and somebody down the road. You know, you, you get what I'm saying? There was no covenant there. The moment I make a covenant, the moment I made an agreement, now my word is on the line. You see, my friends, you believe in God, but you don't keep his commandments. The Bible says you are a liar. The truth is not in you. 
The Bible talks about in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 through 16 today, you make a choice. Do you want life or death? If you want life, keep his commands. If you want death, keep acting like you are acting right now, and you will see what happens to you. Deuteronomy says that. John chapter 14, verse 15. Turn there with me quickly. Turn there with me quickly. John chapter 14, verse 15. Some people think of Jesus as Barney, that all he did was walk around singing songs. I love you, and you love me. And we're a happy family with the heaven and a kiss, a heaven kiss from me to you. And blah, 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 don't you? Don't we think of Jesus like that? Don't we just think of Jesus? He's just going to tell me he loves me all the time. Let's see what Jesus said. Everybody say, let's see what Jesus said. Come on, chapter 14, verse 23. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my what? Commands or teaching. Now go down to 1 John. This is another book written by the same man, John. Go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. Jesus told it to you. John recorded it. He wrote another book so that you and I wouldn't forget about it. And here's what he says in 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. He says, we know that we have come to know him if we what? Obey his commands. Now look at verse 4. I want everybody to understand. It's not my words. It's what God said through his apostle. Here it is. The man who says, I know him, yeah, I know God, but does not do what he commands, is a what? Is a liar, and the truth is what? Not in him. Verse 5, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Anybody who knows Nancy, raise your hand. If you know my wife Nancy, some of y'all friends with her, right? Okay. Let's say you and I are hanging out, and I just said, Derek, man. You know what? My wife has allowed me to start a polygamous relationship. We're doing this polyandry thing right now. And I'm a little bi. I'm kind of bi-curious. And, and if you said to me, hey, what does your wife think? And I said, Nancy, perfect. She's A-OK. Derek, would you think I was telling the truth or telling a lie? A lie. People walk around saying, I know God. But by their actions, they're lying. And then the, when we tell them what God is like, they think we're judging them. The newspaper is not judging you when it tells you what the county office downtown did as a law. When the, when, when the, when the Times Tribune and all these newspapers said, driving with your cell phone is against the law. And they put it in the newspaper. Was the newspaper judging you? No, they are just publishing what the law is. When we come and preach as Christians and tell them God said don't fornicate, God said don't lie, are we judging the people we said that to? No, we're just publishing the message. As the old saying goes, you can kill the messenger, but you can't kill the message. And let me tell you something, baby. The Bible's been here a lot longer than you and I. And when you and I are gone and some are in hell, this Bible will remain. And the Bible says the trees of the field and the grass may turn to dust, but the Word of God will endure forever. Let God be true in every man a liar. So when this thing is said and done, this word will remain. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, would you stand to your feet right now and just give God some glory as you're standing to your feet. Amen. We thank you, God, for today. 1 John chapter, chapter 5, verse 3, in closing. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. It's time to love God, saints. It is time to shine for the glory of God. Look at this. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. 
Man, would you come, please? This is love for God. Somebody say, this is love for God. Matter of fact, Andrew or Adolfo, please, would you put it up here in black and white so everybody can see it? As the band is coming, I want you to get this today. Love for God is to worship and obey Him. Worship and obey Him. Is anybody perfect at that? Maybe we need to saint, uh, uh, you know, make you a saint right now. Amen? I'm not perfect at that. But that's what I'm doing every day, loving God with that. Am I perfect right now at how I am in my marriage? No. But I'm definitely a perfect non-adulterer. Are you listening to me? See, there are certain things that you start and there are certain things that you stop. And then there's other things that God deals with. So let's say today you're in a place in your life and you're just saying, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to keep God's commands. That's okay. But you keep going with God and it gets easier. For those of you here today that have been walking with the Lord for many years and it's a struggle, just make it a lot bigger. Andrew, help him out, please. Thank you. For those of you who find it hard to, to serve God, it's not a problem with his commands. It's a problem with love. If I ever find it hard, would you just play softly, please? If you ever find it hard as a husband or a wife to not have an adulterous affair, how many know the other person's not at fault? The person you're lusting after, whatever. It's you've lost love for your spouse. Are you guys with me? I am sorry for these distractions, but I need everybody to pay attention to me right now. Do not miss this. If I was tempted to have an adulterous affair. I'm using myself as an example. It is not the woman at work. It is not the grocery clerk's fault. It is not 1-800-HAVE-SEX-WITH-ME.COM. This is where the problem is. I have stopped loving her. It's not the problem of the pornography. There wouldn't be one dollar, one cent going towards pornography if married men loved their wives the way they were supposed to and if men loved themselves as they were supposed to and we didn't have, nobody would look at it. And this is the application. I hear people all the time, well, pastor, it's so hard to follow God. Like as if God asked you to climb Mount Everest to get to heaven. Well, here's what you got to do, guys. Okay, write these things down. You're going to swim the Atlantic Ocean. Then you're going to climb Mount Everest. Then you're going to juggle flaming ping, uh, you know, bowling pins. You're going to juggle them on a unicycle. That's how you get to heaven. I could understand at, at that point as some people would just say, God, you're a meanie. You should have known I can't climb Mount Everest. I can't swim the Atlantic Ocean. Come on. Juggling the bowling pins on a unicycle. What is he doing asking me that? Who is he that asked me to do that? Nobody can do that. But here's what he asked you. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't have sex until you are married. Don't covet what your neighbor has. This is not climbing Mount Everest, y'all. This is not swimming the Atlantic Ocean. This is no unicycle involved. And this is what John said. Look at it right here. First John chapter 5, verse 1. In fact, this is love for God. Everybody say, this is love for God. 
This is love for God, in fact, to keep His commands. And Mr. Mr. Uh, Pity Patty Party and His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You can stop lying. You can stop cheating. You can stop gambling. You can stop fornicating. Why? Because there's faith as a gift that God gave you. You are an overcomer and you overcome the world. And the way I look at it, still if somebody was to say back to me after that resounding hand clap to God, even after that praise unto God, after those statements, if somebody was to say to me, oh yeah, but pastor, you don't know I'm dealing with some real struggles here. Okay, granted, maybe right now it seems impossible. And maybe right now it seems like God is saying to you, you have to go across the Atlantic to be saved. Let me tell you what Christianity is. Islam, all of the other religions, Hinduism, and I know this from experience because I've experienced them and taught them and been with them and hung out with Muslims and Indian uh, Hindu believers. What religion says to you is get swimming, boy. You start doing your best. You got to get across. And you feel like you're struggling, you're drowning. You say, I don't think I can get across the Atlantic. It's just impossible. I have, you know, homosexual tendencies or fornicating has been a part of my life. I'm 50 years old and we're not married. And it's so, okay, yes, there are things in life that feel you can't overcome. And religion tells you to change and you can't change. But let me tell you what God does. God gets in the F-47, the 747, and he says, get up in this thing, son. Lock the doors. We flying 30,000 feet. Even the youth may grow tired and weary, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount upon wings as eagles. Hallelujah. They will run and not faint, walk and not get weary. God will carry you if you carry his commandments. God will carry you. If you carry His commandments, if you carry His Word in your heart, He says He will carry you through the valleys of your shadows of death. And as that shepherd is holding you, he has a rod in his hand, and his rod and his staff, they will comfort you. Let's pray. Father, I thank You today that salvation is free. That, God, we can love you because you first loved us. Yes, we might have been born sinners. Yes, we might have been born unplugged and disconnected from you. But, Lord, you sent Jesus to die for us so that we might get reconnected to you. So every head bowed and eyes closed. If you want to plug into Jesus, as our vision says, connect. If you want to connect to God today, come as you are, right where you are, and say, God, I ask for forgiveness. I need you in my life. I'm lovesick for you. Come on, anybody in this place, no one's going to embarrass you. I'm not even calling you to the front. I'm just asking you, pray where you are right now. Say, God, I mean it. I want to love you. I want to live for you. Forgive me. Oh, the Bible says, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, whose trespasses are no longer remembered. The Bible says he'll take your sins as far as the east is from the west. Altar workers, would you come, please? I'm going to keep praying for a few more people, and then we'll close out with corporate prayer.
As these altar workers are coming, I want you to stay focused on Jesus. If you came here and you're just struggling with keeping His commands, and you know you're a Christian, you say, I know I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, and I feel Him when I come to church, and you may listen to music and worship on your own or sing. You said, I got that down, Pastor. But I still feel like sin is entangled around me. The reason why we have these altar calls is because the book of James, chapter 5, says, Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Healed on the inside. Some of you have asked us, why do we do altar calls? You know why? Because Jesus did altar calls. Jesus said, if anyone is weary and heavy laden, let them come to me. He said, come to me. Jesus was always saying, come. That's why when we pray, we always say, come on, come on. Because Jesus said, come. He said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me. Jesus is looking for people who are willing to get out of their past and step into their future. Altar workers are here to pray with you so that whatever sin you're dealing with, you can have somebody bring healing through their prayers to you today. And then lastly, if you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I am just so in love with God. But sometimes I hit these walls when I'm trying to worship and go deep or these, these hindrances. I don't know what they are. I just feel that sometimes I, I don't really feel confident that God's with me. We want to pray for you. We want to encourage you today. The Bible says strengthen those faith whose faith is weak. Strengthen their faith, the Bible says. That's why we do altar calls. Because we love you as we're loving God. You can come even right now, but I'm going to begin to pray. The band's going to play. We'll dismiss in just a moment. Please don't leave until our formal dismissal. This is as much a part of our service as the preaching. You're now going to have the chance to love God with worship and by obeying His commands. And if any of those things are a struggle, we want to pray for you. Because He said, you're victorious. Father, make it happen. I can't do it. You can only do it. Take away the excuses. Take away the lies. And take away the sin. We're lovesick for you in this house. Those that need to come, come now. Just begin to come. God is calling you. Nobody's judging you. We're here to pray. Come on. Band, would you come in now? Come on, let's just sing it out. Band, as they play, sing with them. People, come and get prayer, those who need it. And everybody, let's worship today. Jesus. Hallelujah. Those who are worshipers, free from sin, just worship Him with me today. Would you put up Rachel's mic a little bit, please? Hallelujah. Those who need prayer, keep coming. We're not here to judge you. We're here to encourage you. Oh, God, it's all about you today. 
Come on, sing that verse together today. He is jealous for me. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden, hallelujah. Would you put the words of the song up, please, Adolfo? Maybe some don't know the, the song. And let's sing that verse again. Some are learning to worship today. Come on, sing the verse again. He is jealous for you. He doesn't want you with anybody else. He doesn't want you serving other gods. It's all about Him today. The weight of His wind and mercy When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions by glory then I realize just how beautiful you are and how great your affection is for me oh how he loves me oh yes oh how he loves us Oh, how He loves us so. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how He loves us so. Oh, how He loves us. How He loves us. And let's sing it back to Him. Come on. Oh, how I love you. Keep singing with us, saints. Give God the sacrifice of praise today. We give you the sacrifice of praise because you're worth it. You're worth it all, God. The words are simple. Just sing, oh, how I love you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how I Just the voices. Oh, how I love you. And oh, how I love, how I love you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how. Those who are praying, keep praying. Those who are singing, come on, worship Him. I love you. I love you. Oh, how it doesn't matter what you sound like. He hears it today. I love you. Oh, how I love. One more time, how I love you. I love you. Oh, how I love you. Oh, how we're going to keep praying and worshiping. We're going to do our formal dismissal. We're going to open up the cafe for fellowship. But those